0: Well, I do invite you today to look to John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15 through 21. And I'd like to talk about the three questions. Last week, Pastor Serena drew us into this sacred space in the upper room. We went back in time, as she pointed to us, we went back in time pre-resurrection, just a few days prior to the resurrection of Jesus. And in that time, she reminded us that we need to guard against being so focused on what we are missing out that we would fail to see what we have in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life in our lives. We've got to be careful that we do not end up losing sight of Jesus, that we don't see him. But sometimes it's really hard to see, isn't it? Faith can be a tricky thing because it is wrapped up in these very human lives of ours. And as human beings, we are tempted, we are prone, if you will, to be focused on the very human things that distract from a good view of Jesus. And sometimes in focusing on human things, we are tempted to believe that God has left us to our own devices, that God has left us to our own abilities, that God has left us to our own way of seeing. And then maybe God just sits back and watches us struggle. Have you ever felt that about God? But the truth is, nothing can be further from the truth. Here's Jesus. Jesus with these disciples in the upper room, night before the cross, empty tomb still a couple days away. And Jesus wants to make sure the disciples know one thing, and it's this. He isn't going anywhere. And that changes everything for them and for us. Can you imagine that upper room When Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you. Isn't that a good word? And be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. To them. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. What would you do if I told you this morning through faith in Jesus that Jesus actually lives in you? I know, that's what we say. That's our Christianese, really. That's our Christian language for describing this relationship we have with God through Jesus Christ. But I wonder, I wonder the level to which we actually truly believe that to be the case in our lives. But but here we have Jesus, in John 14, making sure that his followers understand that he is going nowhere. Oh, I know he's going to the cross, and I know he's going to that tomb. I know he's going to be ascended from their sight, but but he is going somewhere, but really going nowhere because he is telling them he's going to take up residence within their very lives. He, he says it this way, "And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth." Didn't he just tell us that he was the way, the truth, and the life? The Spirit of truth. When we speak of the Holy Spirit, we are not speaking of Luke Skywalker's force to be with you and lightsaber. Though the Spirit of God is a force to be reckoned with. We are not speaking of some New Age version of spiritual energy that we can access and control ourselves, though the Spirit of God is the Spirit of power. But we learn from Jesus that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is the very provision of the very presence of Jesus who is with us and lives in us. St. Paul so beautifully captures this as he writes these words to the Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, he writes, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glorious riches of this great mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, he says. And again, he writes to the Romans, writes another letter to the Christians in Rome, and he says, but if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death, Because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness, because of this relationship. Even though we live in this very human life, the Spirit, the very presence of God through our faith in Christ, takes up residence in us. And as Paul said, as Paul said, this is a mystery. And it is in many ways. But if you want to see the impact of that, if you want to see, Go back to the upper room. Go back to these words from Jesus we read. And in these days that we're walking through, these words give us great hope and encouragement. Before long, Jesus said, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. If you want to see Jesus, an important question is raised. We're going to ask three of them. But if you want to see Jesus, the first question that's asked is this. How will you live? How will you live? Do I live my life as if my connection to Jesus is simply a religious profession? It's just one that I pull out when it's time for me to go to church, when it's time for me to go to the church facility and go to church? Or is it it just something for me to study, to understand, and to try to master some religious knowledge? You see, if that's the approach of my connection to Jesus, it will fail you. It will especially fail you when pandemics arrive. But the second alternative to answering that question, how will I live, is the positive answer to another question, which is this. Do I live as if Jesus is actually alive and living in me? That he's actually alive. Alive, do I live that way? Because I live, he said, you also will live. Do you live as if the very presence of Jesus is in you, regardless of whether you physically see him or not? Yes, the the eyes of faith are the pathway, if you will. They're the pathway for us in this relationship, for this recognition. And that is why Jesus says this also. He says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. We're so busy, focused on what we see in the world. And if we get so busy on what we see, we won't see him. But when we do know him, faith does something. Faith transitions to life. And life is how we organize and orient our human experience in this world. That's really what living life is about. It's it's how we organize and how we orient our human experience lived out in this world. Well, the promise here is that my very living now, this organizing life, this organizing my human existence, that very living is infused with the very life of Christ Because I live, you also will live. What about you? You see, Jesus is telling them, and he's telling us, that his resurrection will cause his life to extend beyond the historical, physical reality of the resurrection and the empty tomb. It'll extend to those who will live for him and live with him and live by faith in him because he is alive. I heard in a sermon recently from Brother Jeffrey Tristam these words. Open your heart to Jesus and invite him to draw near. Allow him to touch you anew and fill you with new life And hope, because he is alive. So what about you? How will you live? But these words from Jesus also tell us that we will not be abandoned. When when I read this portion of John chapter 14, I think the verse that I just default to, I want to just stay at, is this one in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's the first thing Jesus says after promising them the Holy Spirit's presence. Now the word used to describe the Spirit's presence with us is so rich and wonderful that it's translated in different ways. Here in the New International Version, it's translated as advocate. It's also translated as helper or comforter or counselor. I think maybe the best um, translation or, or understanding of this idea of the Holy Spirit and who he is, is this. He is the one who stands beside us. He is the one who comes up alongside us on the trail of life and stands with us. In this time and space of separation... It is very easy to feel abandoned. The world seems like it's been turned upside down, doesn't it? And the ground beneath us seems like shifting sand. And it might not be just the pandemic time, but it may be an issue in your family. It may be an issue in your workplace. It may be an issue in your life. There may be something that just seems like it's shifting sand for you. And, and that's hard. It's hard to get traction in soft shifting sand. Running in that kind of sand is difficult and it's exhausting. In these days, it may feel as if our souls are doing that because it's easy to begin to believe we have been left to ourselves. It's it's easy to get caught up in the loss of what has been and the worry of what is to be. And we can wear ourselves out with worry. This week during a devotional time, I read these words from Corey Ten Boom. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Well, I was reading those words, as I said, during a devotional time that was connected to these words from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. You remember them. He said this. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, and about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then, and then the next words, the very next words are these. Look at the birds of the air. Well, maybe like you, I got done with my devotional time. It was time to get into my day. I closed my books. I said my final prayers, and I got up, and I, and I began doing what I've picked up as a new habit for me before I would get my laptop open and I start zooming the world, right, and I start connecting technologically and start getting into that intense activity, I have been taking a walk for about 10 to 15 minutes just to walk, just to stretch my legs, just to get back to my space, maybe a little refreshed. Well, the morning I read those words was the morning I began to write this sermon. And I walked out that morning, and as I walked out, suddenly I was in a concert hall. I walked down the street, I made the lap uh, uh, down the street, this little loop I've had, and all of a sudden I began to hear the concert and it began to be so amplified and it was the birds. I was hearing the birds. Remember the birds in the air. And I could hear them singing, I could see them flying and it just seemed like it was a living color concert. And the birds were singing the song and the song went like this, do not worry. When Jesus says that, Jesus is not asking us to not have concern over difficult places in life. Jesus is not saying we should not grieve the losses we have encountered. He's not saying that we should not struggle with suffering or mourn the loss of those we love or what's happening in our world. He's not saying that we should just not think about the separation or the pain. He's not saying that. He's not telling us to be less than human. No, what Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is inviting us to live in a different kind of world, right in the midst of our human experiences in this world. Did you hear it? Did you hear that invitation? I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. This is the world Jesus wants us to live our human lives in. A world with him. A world where we are not abandoned. A world where we are not alone. A world where we are not left to our own devices. A world where he is very present with us. A world that is saturated with his presence each and every day. So you see, this begs the second question, and it's this. What kind of world will you live in? What kind of world will you live in? Will you live in that world where he's with you? Seeing Jesus does mean having our lives organized around his presence. How will I live? It also means that the world we live in is a world filled with his presence. What kind of world will you live in? His presence with us. But it also means that because that's true, we are a becoming people. It is always important when you read scripture to pay attention to repetition and when you bookend this passage of scripture, the first and the last verses, there, are, there is this place of repetition that we need to pay attention to. This is what we hear. In verse 15 it says, if you love me, keep my commands. And then scoot over to verse 21 and we hear Jesus repeat himself basically. And he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And then he says this, the one who loves me will be loved. By my Father. And I too will love them and show myself to them. You'll be loved by my Father, and I too will show myself to them. I love them, he says. These words from Jesus ask me one more question. And it may be the most essential question of the day. And it's this What kind of person will I become? How will I live? What kind of world will I live in? What kind of person will I become? I don't know if you've noticed, but pandemics bring out the best and worst in people, right? I think of the single mom who made a huge order from Walmart grocery just so she can adequately help with the N68 Hours initiative to try to feed children who are in food insecurity at this time, even though her own income is very limited. Boy, that's like the best of us, isn't it? Then there is the neighbor who works at the hospital, one of the hospitals in our city, who comes and knocks on our door and brings to us bags of bagels, asking us to find people to distribute them to. This person who's working in the hospital, wanting to do something for someone else, as they're doing something for so, so many comes and brings us a big bag of bagels, asking us to find some folks. And three households were blessed from our neighbor's goodness. I think about the woman named Terry. I happen to be related to her. She's my sister-in-law, who paints rocks, and she leaves them by the road. Many people walk by her house, and she invites them to take a rock with them that has a positive saying on it, a blessing to someone, so someone comes by and picks those up. Or I think about the little boys who painted rocks and left them around the mailbox of a certain pastor's house. You know, those are the best people. Those are the the things that we say, look at the goodness that comes out in pandemic times, right? But then if we're going to talk about the best, we also have to talk about the worst, right? I think about the young dentist who's trying to get his practice started. And because of all that's going on, he's investing a whole lot of extra expense for the expensive PPE that's needed to help protect his patients and informing them that he's going to have to charge them a minor surcharge to cover that cost to keep them safe. And this young dentist has received vicious emails from people really criticizing him and telling him how wrong he is to do that right now, while that's the only way he can really stay in business. I I think also of the meat manager, who can only describe to me the behavior of customers as being brutal in their treatment of store employees. And you probably have heard some of the stories over, I'm not even gonna repeat them over this past week, of the way people in retail are being treated sometimes by customers. I really do believe that's the minority, but it is out there, isn't it? And in some ways, our world is not filled with division and anger and caustic vitriol. In some ways, it's stewing in it. This week, Pastor Corey Jones posted a pandemic story about an ice cream shop owner who closed his store one day after reopening it because the customers were so unkind and impatient and mean to the people. In fact, his best employee walked off the job, couldn't take it anymore. What causes this? Well, Pastor Jones, I think, hits it when he says this. This is what consumerism does to people. This is what consumerism does to people. He then went on to say this. I'm praying that during and after this pandemic, one thing that is forever forfeited as an adjective for Christian is the word consumer. A consumer Christian is not in the Bible. The two words are antithetical to each other, especially since the first Christian Christ emptied himself of his rights, became nothing, took the form of a servant, put himself in harm's way by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. And according to the Bible, we are called to be like Christ, to be a Christian, a Christian, right? But let's be honest. We need to be honest. What happened at the ice cream store, what consumerism does to people, if we are not mindful, can infect our lives as Christians and can bleed its way over into the church. But in all times, in all times, but especially in these times, there's a different kind of person that's needed. Don't you think? Jesus is calling you and he's calling me to be those persons. He calls us to live as the beloved of God. Did you hear that? Did you know? Do you know that that's who you are? You are the beloved of God. He said you would be loved, beloved by his father, God. And when we live into that identity, when we live into the identity that we are the beloved of God, we want nothing more than for our lives to love like God. Jesus said, those who follow him, those who love him, they will follow his commands. And to make sure that, to make sure that they knew what he was talking about, he later said this. Later that same night, he said this. You find it in John chapter fifteen. My command is this: love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this: to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends. If you love well, you are my friends. If you love the world around you, you are my friends when you follow this command of laying down your life, putting others ahead of yourself. Wow. Paul the Apostle called that the most excellent way when he was writing to the Corinthians. And in thinking about that, Walter Brueggemann said that he hopes that we will grow in our awareness of the more excellent way. And then he said this in an interview I saw this week, the more excellent way contradicts the dominant way and is terribly inconvenient. That's a statement, isn't it? The more excellent way contradicts the dominant way and it is terribly inconvenient. Love does not focus on my convenience. Love does not focus on what my rights are. Love does not focus on what I get out of it. A love that sacrifices looks like God. Love that puts others first looks like God. Love that desires the highest and best good for another looks like God. Love that puts complaint aside and exchanges that for compliments, that looks like God, right? Well, you know, soon we're going to seek to restart the gathered church. That's a ways off. But I want you to understand a couple of things. We are not reopening the church because we have never closed. We've never closed the church. We said that at the very start. We're, we are open as the church, We are not returning to the church because we have remained the church even beyond the facility. We're still the church. But we will restart what it means to be the gathered people of God, the gathered church. They'll come that day. But you need to understand that it is complicated and it will be different. It will be difficult. And when we come back, it'll be hard. You need to understand that. And and we will require, it will require a great, deal of time and energy and effort and you know it's going to really require more than anything a great amount of patience and kindness and mercy and understanding and grace in other words it's going to require love and at the heart of this effort really at the heart of this is one underpinning scripture you know these words From Mark's gospel, chapter 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. You see, this is the kind of person that's needed right now. This is the kind of person. If there was ever a time to ask these questions that time is now how will I live will I live as a person who is actually alive with the life of Christ taking me beyond just some religion some religious practice but I will actually live alive with Christ how will I live what kind of world will I live in will I live in a world filled with his presence Will I live in a world seeking to recognize the presence of God in my life, knowing that he is walking with me? He said, I will not leave you, an orphan. I will come to you. And the third question, what kind of person am I becoming? Are you becoming, am I becoming one who looks like God because I love like God? One who looks like God because I love like God. You see, this is what happens when we see Jesus. This is what happens, as Pastor Serena reminded us, when he is the way, the truth, and the life. This is what happens. And when we see Jesus, when we really see him, when we're organizing our life around him, when we're living in a world filled with him, with us, when we're loving like him, then the world sees him too. The world sees that the resurrection of Jesus was just the beginning of him ushering in his kingdom and that God's presence and power are alive right now in you, in me, in us. And all we can say is, oh God, may that be so. Amen. Well, I pray today that this has been a time for us in our gathered time to just be nurtured by his word and nurtured by our fellowship even though it's virtual I pray today that you walk away from this time remembering those three questions how will I live what kind of world will I live in and what kind of person am I becoming that maybe you'll revisit John 14 verses 15 through 21 and ask the Holy Spirit to be that helper Because we need him to help us live this. But for now, just receive this benediction. Now may God himself, the beloved Father who loves us, and Jesus Christ, his Son, who showed us what love looks like, and the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us and sheds in our hearts abroad the love of God. May he go with us this day. And may we love like God because we are so loved by God, the God who is with us, who is in us, and who will never leave us. In Christ's name, amen. Have a great day today. Get out and have a walk. Take a bike ride. That's on my list today. Find a place where you can Greet one another as you're walking down the road. Wave to them. Maybe it's a good day to paint some rocks. But have a good day in the Lord. God bless you.